When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. Hey there, believers. We've got another good episode for you today. This week, we're bringing on Tim Moon. He's an author of the popular book, Tomato Fields. It is on Amazon. I have not been able to buy this book yet. Um, actually, things just got, you know, time kind of got away from me. I didn't get a chance to. But I've read the reviews of this book on Amazon, and it looks like it is widely loved. So please go check that book out. Um We'll bring Tim on. I believe he's got a buddy coming on today um, named Joe. I'm not sure if Joe's going to be able to make it or not, but we we sent the invitation out anyway. So hopefully, you know, well, the three of us will see it here and have a conversation about the contents of the book a little bit. I don't want to give anything away. And also with their personal experiences. Um, Tim said he has a uh, a lot of experiences and uh, interest in things that he would like to discuss today. So I'm I'm all about that. So let's go ahead and just bring Tim on the show now. And hopefully um, Joe will be able to jump on here too. While we wait for him, let me remind everybody again, let's uh, take full advantage of the bump phone. That number is 304-812-0553. I didn't even have to look up at my notes this time. Or you can, uh, if you have something that you want to, Send in if you have books you want me to review, if you have uh, art you want me to display or whatever else like that, um, you can just send it to me through our personal mailing address at the Bump Podcast at P.O. Box 1453, Chapmanville, West Virginia, 25508. So there's a couple more ways to reach me if you want to be on the show. Always just email me at thebumppodcast at gmail.com. Check out past episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can go to the uh, the website, thebumppodcast.com. Let's see, what else? All, all social, social media. I'm wide open for that, too. Holler at me on there. Um, I check Instagram as much as possible. I'll try to catch you if you send me a message on there. I try to reply or schedule you from there. But the best way is going to be the email. Okay? Um. I hope everybody's enjoying these last few episodes. I've had a blast doing them. Um, things are just growing and taking off. It's just been a blessing. Uh, we're creeping up on our three-year anniversary uh, for the show. So let's just uh, 
I'm trying to figure out what to do for it. I'm not, I'm not even sure yet. All right, well, let's go ahead and get them on. All right, God bless. All right, Tim, can you, do you did you get the, the I'm seeing the I'm seeing, yeah, I did hear that. And I'm right. seeing a label of some kind. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I'm very honored to have you on here. I I know it took us a little while to schedule it, but here we are. No problem. But everybody has a schedule. So. <laughs> That's right. Now, you're the author of a book called The Tomato Fields, right? That's correct. I would love to hear what the inspiration was for this book. And I don't want too many details because I want people to go buy it. But if you could just give us like a, you know, just a little teaser about what sure. the book's about. Well, I uh, have a couple of things that, that inspired me. Um, first of all, I've been um, interested in the sub subject of cryptids and specifically the Bigfoot for since I was a kid, since I watched the the creature from Bogey Creek. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was just a, I just thought that was the best movie when I was a kid. And uh, uh, so I always had an interest in it. And I studied it a lot and read a lot of stories and listened to a lot of stories. And started to get the idea that I wonder if fiction could, if you could do some things with fiction that could reach people better than all the nonfiction, because there's a lot of nonfiction stuff out there related to the subject. But I thought maybe if you could write fiction in a way that was intriguing and it captured people and brought them in, um, maybe you could um, make the the um, phenomena uh, um, a more, something that they could relate to more or be more open to. And so, and then also um, my brother who, uh, I'm pretty close to we were talking one day and I think a show came on of finding Bigfoot or something and and so I asked him what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen um, and he, he just proceeded to tell me uh, class A pretty much class A Bigfoot encounter wow <laughs> that shocked me because I never heard it before. I never I didn't have any idea he'd ever seen anything anything like that let alone a class a you just don't hear those very much right and he said he'd been out working on he'd bought some property out in the country in mason county washington where is where this book takes place and just off the hood canal hook up there and uh he was out working on his trailer uh fixing a light and he smelled something very weird very strong and pungent and so he thought maybe there was a skunk or a dead animal or something. And he started looking around and he uh, about 75 yards straight up ahead on top of him. There was a big light pole. A uh, Bigfoot stepped out from the trees next to the light pole. And um, the pole measures out. To, there's a certain part, part, a link in that pole that come, that, that is about 10 feet. And, and this thing was getting up there to about two feet from there. Oh, wow. um, and so it was about eight feet tall and it was very big. Uh, I went up and stood by that pole and, and he said it was widthwise at least three times me. And I'm about six, one, 220 pounds. So it was enormous. And um, 
And Joe looked at it and it looked at him and then it started screaming at him. It was pissed at him. I think he got in its way. So it started screaming at him. You know how they scream. I mean, it was obnoxious and loud and scared, scared him really bad. And uh, he told me he almost wet his pants. So, yeah. and then all he knew to do was run to his house and and his, it was right there the 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 house was right there by the truck so he ran into the house and he grabbed his shotgun and then closed the door and there was a little window in the door so he could look out the door he was sure that it was on the way <laughs> that, that he was next and that oh wow uh he was pretty scared and he said and then it just finished screaming at him and then turned around stepped back into the woods where it came from and was gone and uh, it's not often you hear stories that they smelled it, heard it, saw it, <laughs> yeah, and uh, ran, you know, ran from it. It was it's about everything that can happen, others other than getting killed by it, <laughs> happened in the story. And I was just sitting there, slightly dumbfounded because I never knew he'd had any experience like that. And he didn't know I studied the the subject and had a, a pretty significant interest in it. And I had no idea he had that experience. So we talked about it quite a bit after that. And it just inspired me to write. It was kind of the thing that kicked me over the wall um, and said, okay, I got to start trying to do this. And I tried for a while. I toyed with it for about five years. And then about, about five years ago, I started being more serious. And about three years ago, I really went for it. And it's, it's a lot to learn when you write a book for the first time. And there's a, a lot of self-doubt <laughs> and there's not, a, there's not a lot of people that want to remedy your self-doubt. <laughs> right. They don't really care. And they probably don't think you should write a book either. <laughs> so or that you, why do you think you can suddenly write a book? But I've always loved writing. I've always wanted to write. I just maybe never had the confidence to do it. So just a lot of things has kind of culminated. And then I had some experiences with um, addiction recovery that uh, uh, got me really motivated to finish things, <laughs> not just start things, but finish things you mean. and put my heart into it and really get something done and not just talk all the time. So those those three things kind of uh, got me to put put fire under me and got me to finish it. So, and it's hard because you got to learn. It's like it's like going to college. <laughs> learn. They, people think it's it, you just write the book, but you got to learn a lot to write a book and, and to publish a book. You got to kind of be a jack of all trades and learn a lot about new things, new uh, editing, formatting, uh, uh, self publishing how to write, what to write, why to write, develop, character development, narrative. I mean, there's just a lot. And so I just um, immersed myself in YouTube videos and books to try to fill those gaps. And um, so that's how, that's how I've kind of approached it. And I had to teach myself. I'm not um, a, an, a, an established writer and I'm not famous. And those are the people that the corporate publishers, traditional publishers go after because it's expensive to publish books and they, they, they try to hedge their bets. 
Yeah. And it's more likely you can sell books if you're famous or if you're already an established writer. So I knew that that wasn't going to work for me. I just don't fit in those categories. I actually had a publisher tell me that once. <laughs> he said, you just don't, you're not going to, it won't work for you. <laughs> so for those two very reasons. So I said, fine, I'll just figure it out myself. And so that's how I had to do it. And Amazon opens a lot of doors for people to do that. It's not the best in terms I've heard is it doesn't pay the best, but um, it still uh, makes it relatively simple for you to publish a book. So, so that's how it's all worked out and uh, it's doing, it's getting some good reviews. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. I, I was looking at those reviews and it's getting very good reviews. Um, better than most book reviews. I, I go and check out books before I buy them. And uh -huh. you know, people are when you get when you see comments like I couldn't sit it down, and yeah. it basically that like, it fundamentally uh, it, it scared them to to the point where it, it changes their life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the and whole it puts point things in perspective the, for them. The whole point of this the is that this creature shows up and forces people to rethink a lot of things they thought they knew, yeah. and they and push them into pressure that they never wanted to be in to eliminate a threat they never even knew existed. And it forces them to come to grips with some things about themselves and, and puts people together who would never be together. And it forces them to appreciate themselves more. And, to, and, and even though the creature is a monster and scary and it's dangerous, they even maybe develop a respect for it. Mm -hmm. And so it was just my idea to make the thing more viable in a in a mysterious story that's kind of scary and and a little bit gory too <laughs> but yeah it, it sounds like it so, checks all the boxes man it sounds uh, i hope cool. you like it and it's fun because there's a native american character who's a tracker and a um established um, hunter and he kind of adds the native american touch to the whole idea of spirituality and 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 the creature and right. that is good too watching the interaction between him and the sheriff and the sheriff trying to eliminate this problem and the the, the way they kind of work on each other so it's it's fun it's a fun book i think so fantastic yeah i'm, I'm definitely going to get the book like i said it might take me a week or two before i uh you know, I got a stack of things in the Amazon cart. Now. <laughs> that'll that'll well, no be problem. that'll no be one of them. Now, where where what canal did you say this took place in? Like this your... is Hood, Canal, Hood Canal, Washington, Hood uh, Canal outside of Bramerton. Uh, it's just in the Seattle area on the in the Cascades. Okay. And uh, beautiful, beautiful area for Bigfoot, and it's a. It's a, it takes place in the 70s when they still dumped sewage in this area out into the field. They used to dump sewage and septic stuff into an open field, and there were seeds from humans eating vegetables, and those seeds grew, and they grew into you know a, a field of vegetables, and the tomatoes were very uh, big part of that because they were red. You know They stood out. So yeah. my brother just got the idea of calling it the tomato fields and that seemed to be a good name for the book and wow. it's pretty clear, clear that animals feed there animals fed there and and it turns out that this animal is feeding there too and and 
Joe says he thinks that one that he saw was coming from that general direction. And during the summer, it would have just been full of vegetables to eat. So right. that's kind of how the whole thing starts. Wonderful. Wonderful. Man, that's awesome. So you said you've always been interested in, in writing. Were, were you an avid reader as a kid? or? Yeah, I read a lot. Um, I read a lot as a kid. And then when I got to college, I did more nonfiction. I did more novels than stories as a kid, and more. Then I started doing nonfiction, and I did nonfiction most of my life. I'm a history major, and I got a his his master's degree in history. So I do. I I read a lot of history, yeah. and my wife was surprised that I was going to write a novel because she's always had such a hard time getting me to read novels because I was <laughs> wanted to read nonfiction. I just was into that more. And yeah, me too. But lately, I mean, in the last 20 years or so, I just moved more toward fiction. Seeing people people learn from stories. We don't learn from facts. Yeah. Um, we learn from stories. Stories are what make us connect and relate to things. And I started thinking, maybe I need to think more about stories, writing stories that people can connect with and impact them that way instead of through trying to write history books. Because... Writing history books is really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I agree. And then there, nobody 100%. reads them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, man. Because you know, I I've I've wrote a well, I haven't finished it, but much like what you were saying, I have a book that's been sitting there on my desktop yeah. for uh -huh. three years that I started writing about three and a half, four years ago. And I was just burning through it, man. Putting in there what I wanted to put in there. And I was making it um because I I have a tendency also if I'm I'm just reading for pleasure it's usually not fiction it's usually something educational you yeah. know some kind yeah. of manual or something so I was writing a uh, a survival guide it was a little bit different cool. picture heavy you know what I mean showing huh? primitive traps and snares and I was like into it drawing the pictures out and then it just sat there yeah you know it's just it's just hanging there and I need one of those so I can feel safe going camping again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, about a week ago, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I took that and I mixed it with this? And so now my it's taken on a whole new life before I could even get anywhere with it. But uh, you're right, though, that people learn more from stories than mm -hmm. they do from something factual like that manual. You got to put something in there that has a, a lesson. You know, I, th I think it's like, how yeah. Jesus wrote in parables, you know, he, yep. he spoke there's in parables. Reason. That's right. That's he, there's a reason he did that. <laughs> yeah. It's and and so some of the greatest teachers did that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Man, so you said you've had some uh some personal experiences too. Did did you have anything growing up or did it happen on throughout your life? I've never had anything with Bigfoot. No, no. No, there's been times I've been in the woods and it's been a little nerve wracking, but I can't tell whether there was anything there. I was just afraid. <laughs> but I had a gun, so I wasn't that afraid. But still, um, but I've never, I've never seen one or or heard one or felt I was close to one at all. But I've right. always been very interested in them. I've had some paranormal, some UFO experiences. I've had some minor 
poltergeist type experiences and believe it or not some um some demon um experiences that but i don't know which which of those you're interested in discussing so well it is all of the above an option tm yeah it is okay yeah, i'm happy to I, I would uh, love to hear about these personal experiences um, in whatever order or whatever you want to start yeah. with, man. I'm, I'm here for it. Well, I am. Um, I'll start with the, the lighter and move to the heavier, if that's all right. With yeah. You. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, the lighter is really, when we were kids, we lived in a house that we think had a ghost that was a little, that was a child. Uh, my mom looked into it and said that, um, it looked like a child had died in the house, felt fallen down the stairs or something. Hmm. And in the in like early in the house's history, maybe in the 30s or 40s. Um, and my my brother Joe uh, seen it a number of times. And then we had an experience where a mantelpiece came off the mantle and then floated and then crashed to the ground. And we had. Hmm. Um, experience where my grandma would hear things under the bed and get so scared she'd leave the house and, and not come back. And no but way. and then other people who I knew was close to had experiences in the house. But the only thing I ever heard was I heard pots and pans being moved around in the kitchen. And I remember listening to that for quite a while one night when I was the only one awake. And uh, and. Uh, I w listened for a while and then I just went back, went to bed and went to sleep. And I think it was because it's so casual for us. We knew who it was. We knew we just got used to knowing that it was there in the house with us. And, and it was kind of like part of the family. Yeah. Um, my mom used to regularly blame Joe, my brother, uh, for he was only five at the time uh, and blame him for, for getting pots and pans out of the kitchen and leaving them on the floor. And she was really frustrated. She started noticing all these things before we did. And then um, we finally realized that there was something that was in the house that was playing with pots and pans and making noises. And Joe wow. watched him walk in the bathroom once and following my dad to the bathroom. And he ran into the bathroom after him because he was very curious and frustrated that some little boy was following my dad. So. And then he gets in the bathroom and there's nobody there. And so those kind of things happened when we were young. And But they were pretty, a little scary at first, but then they became commonplace. And it was never malevolent. Right. It, was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't friendly necessarily that we could tell, but it wasn't angry or mean. Or, so we just accepted it as a kind of part of the house and, oh, wow. and didn't, didn't worry about it too much. So but that was interesting that that's that made a, an impression on us when we were pretty young. Yeah, I would say so. It would definitely open you up, you know, open your mind to be more receptive to, you know, to outside information that most people can deny because they haven't experienced it. You know, it makes yeah, it, it helps ground you out. man. Yeah, I'm receptive to that stuff. I know I uh, there was probably a time in my life when I. Thought anything that wasn't in the Bible was, was demonic, you know, right, demonic. Yeah. Okay. And not very long. Um, Cause I don't think that's true. And I think there's a lot in the Bible that we don't read because we're so 
taught how to look at it in just a certain way. Um, and uh, but I think that there's something about I study a lot of quantum physics and a lot of spirituality and a lot of you know different possible different uh there's d dimensions of reality and i just think there's so much and the fact that there's trillions of planets and billions of stars in billions of galaxies of which we're just a little one and that there is so much more out there and creation is so much bigger than we can even hardly imagine even our greatest scientists are having trouble with it um that the thought that this is this is all there is and that there's there isn't um all kinds of other things that we just either don't know about or yet or don't want to know about or having hidden from us i mean i'm pretty sure a lot of it's being hidden from us yeah. so anyway but i think there's a lot more to life than than people want to admit um and i like that for me that mystery makes life interesting and without mystery, I think life gets pretty boring. And I don't think we were made to not have mystery in, in us. It's part of our nature. So, yeah, and that's I, what I like about the, the Bigfoot thing, because it's just a mystery and nobody can figure it out. It really just, is. And it's an interesting mystery and it's a scary mystery and it's a fascinating mystery. And I think that other things are like that too. Yeah. Um, I've also had a couple of, or one pretty UFO experience that was wild. And yeah, man, I'd love to hear that. Um, I've had two of them, but one of them I was driving the car, so I didn't get to see it as much. But, um, but I saw one when I went to a concert. Um, after the concert, I, my friends and I were walking to the car, and one of us noticed, and I don't know who it was who noticed, but they noticed an object in the sky that was probably pretty high in the sky and it was a triangle and it, it this was 30 years ago so it was before all the news came out on triangles right and 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 there was no it wasn't lit up it was only lit to the degree that it was lighter shade of darkness than the sky mm. it was like a, a dark gray and the sky was black and it was moving in a particular area in a like triangular and square in, in geometric lines shooting across the sky, but it, it stayed in a particular area like that was always visible. It never left your sight. It was right in a big circle in front of you moving around with, with lines and quickly, quick jagged movements. And, and we watched it for about 10 minutes and it just kept doing the same thing. We couldn't figure out what it was. Um, so and then finally we didn't know what else to do we it got kind of boring watching you know do the same thing all the time yeah so we just got in the car and left and i uh, never have to this day known what that was but but it was very strange and then one about 2 years ago when they the navy started saying they were finding these things and people started talking about triangles i remembered it yeah. And so I called a friend who was with us, and she said she remembers it too. Wow. And so it must have made an impression on everybody there. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, um, can, I, cool. can I? You said it was 30 years ago, but I'm sure you could remember the general area. 
Uh, yeah, we were we we were in in Pullman, Washington. Pullman, Washington. In Washington State, and it's Eastern Washington. It's uh, the other side of Washington that I was talking about with the Bigfoot. And I was going to school at Washington State University. Um, the and reason why we I asked right that. Outside, pardon? Oh yeah, I was, I was gonna say the reason. The only reason why I was asking, like, where it was at, was uh, are there any military installations nearby, or maybe I I don't know if we would have if we'd be privy to that only, information, but like nuclear silos, because there's a lot of talk about the, UFOs that do this kind of activity over nuke bases and stuff. Well, there's a McCord Air Force Base in Spokane, mm-hmm. but that's a that's 75 miles from there as the crow flies. Okay. From where we were. So that would easily, it could have easily been that. Yeah. But that's the only thing I can think of. I don't think there's anything in Idaho or. Well, there's there's a mountain home Air Force Base in Idaho. Oh, maybe it was that. I didn't know that. But um, where where is that at? Um, It's going to sound redundant, but mountain home. <laughs> it's like, a, I think it's like mid. It's close to Boise, I think, but not okay, super so close. We Maybe like an been, hour from Boise. We about about the same. We so we were the same distance, maybe a little further from Boise, as we were from Spokane, but maybe a little closer to Spokane. Okay, okay. So yeah, maybe it was a uh, you know some kind of surveillance. I don't know what's up with those triangles. Um, I don't either. It's so- wild. They they've gotten to where they call them like a TR three B or something like that. Like they're trying to put an identifier on them. Oh really? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but it's they. That's a classic image. I don't know if you can see the one on my wall here. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I saw. Except there was no blue sky. It was pure pure black sky. Wow. And the thing was a gray, but there was no lights. And the ones I've seen on TV have some kind of lit up in some way. Yeah. This didn't. I doubt it even knew anybody was watching it because uh, to its, it probably thought it was, you know, unseeable. Yeah. But somehow we saw it. So that's wild. That's, that's exciting cool. though. Uh huh. And my brother had one when he was working again in Western Washington, about the same place where he saw that Bigfoot. He, he had one. They were finishing work one day and having a beer and, uh, getting getting uh, relax relaxing a little bit and one flew right over straight up from the water up over the up them they were going it would have been going up a hill and then shot up in the air but the thing that was weird is it rained salt water on them wow because it had come out of the canal and some seaweed went all over their car fell on them went over the house and they all stared at each other and just were in shock <laughs> what was that that's incredible but, but that's right down there by the, the I think the Navy base. Yeah, and uh, it only happened once. He never saw it again. Um, but it's just funny how those things happen, and then they they never happen again, or that goes twenty years before you have any other experience. But they're so vivid and real at that moment that yeah. they happen. And that's 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 fascinating because you know you hear stories and accounts, and it's usually by naval personnel of these things entering the the water you know they'll hit it at a 45 degree angle and not even slow down or they'll come out you know they'll just have the water like the lights swirling under under the surface of the water and then they'll shoot out of there 
Um, so well, they're I, anti. I think they're anti gravity. Oh yeah, I do too. And if you're anti gravity, then even water when when a uh, water when tidal waves hit underwater, do you mm. know how fast they go? Mm -mm. Five hundred miles an hour. Oh wow. Now you wouldn't think underwater something could go 500 miles an hour, but they can go as high as 500 miles an hour. They can go all the way from one side of the Pacific all the way to another side of the Pacific. Um, uh, so there, it's really you can move really fast underwater. All right. People don't think that's true, and yeah. but those those things probably have anti gravity, so they go wherever they want, and they just don't have the same kind of limits that we have. Right. Yeah. And I'd really like to know what they do because I would love to go to space someday, but I don't want to spend three years flying to Mars. That's just <laughs> no. like a waste I'll, of three years. <laughs> a hard pass on that one. But <laughs> yeah, I don't believe in it either. They got to be able to get there faster than that. So. <laughs> but that, that's, just, that's just to discourage any yeah, kind I of uh, that, local yokel that might have hit the Powerball that wants to go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah these uh these ufo experiences those are fantastic man i i had a sighting in 2009 when i was as actually the day i was leaving the air force i was on my way home but it was uh it was more lights than it was getting to see an actual you know frame uh or a shape so i i I, I love how close you must have been. That's that's very interesting. I don't know how I know he was pretty close to the one that went Had to over their heads. Yeah, uh, I don't know how close this was because I don't know how big it was. Yeah, but it it looked like if you take that picture that you have in the back of you there, mm -hmm. if you shrink that down to about a tenth of what you're looking at there, right? That's about how it looked. Wow, maybe a little smaller, but. It was just, but it was super, I mean, you knew it was something there moving around. So yeah, pretty cool. I've never seen that picture that you have behind you, but that's yeah. the closest thing. Well, closest that's, thing uh, I've seen. that was, that was mailed to me by uh, a past guest. And this was what she had experienced. So she painted it and, and sent it to me. Super cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Because I'd never seen it. Everything I've seen has lights on it or something. Yeah, and I'd never seen one without lights, so that's the first time. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you. Well, um, I know we're getting ready to transition into some some heavier material, but um, let me just ask you first. Going back to the uh, the the topic of Bigfoot. If you're like me and you like to go camping, hiking, hunting, um just be prepared in general, then uh, I recommend you check out Squatch Survival Gear. Their packs are 100% made in America. Each component on the packs are American-made. It's a veteran-owned company out of Texas. Um, it's my buddy Chris. He started this out of personal experience. Um, in his military service, he, he fashioned these packs you know, off of packs that he used that he had to modify to make them something that uh, is more more convenient, easier to carry, less of a load on your body, and the, let the pack do the work. They're amazing. I own two. I have the uh, 
the Rock Ape, and the Mothman pack. I love them. They're the best bags I've ever had in my life. These bags are bomb-proof. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Plus, they're comfortable. When I have them on, I can carry around. I can hike with 25, 30 pounds, and it, it doesn't strain my body. The pack does the work. Um, you have to see them for yourself. So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com to check them out. If you decide to, to purchase one of these bags, use my promo code. It's 23BUMP this year. Okay? It's 23BUMP. Use that promo code and it'll save you 15% site-wide. These, these are packs of all sizes. You know, if you want something, you know, small, everyday carry, or if you want some kind of a uh, go bag, like a, I'm not coming home bag, he's got them. Check them out, SquatchSurvivalGear.com, promo code 23BUMP. Going back to the, uh, the, the topic of Bigfoot, what do you think Bigfoot is? Do you, uh, especially considering your brother's experience, do you believe it's like a physical animal or do you believe that it is something more spiritual? Or um, whatever else, you know. I'm going to preface everything with a big I'm not sure. Okay? Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm open to and I don't try to tell somebody, well, that's not it. You know, because right. I who who am I? To, but I've thought about this a lot, and uh, I wonder bear with me a little bit because I'm gonna have to go into a couple things to sure. you know the story Superman. Oh yeah, where he's super strong here, right? Right. Because his planet has uh, Krypton, and the Krypton moderates his strength and brings him down to Earth, so to speak, <clears throat> on his own planet. But here he's super strong, flies and everything. I wonder sometimes if someone or something in another galaxy or another planets or another solar system said uh, just transported these things over and dropped them off right uh, maybe they said we've had enough of these things here we're going to take them somewhere i don't know you know but i think that there's been multiple civilizations on this planet and we've probably had people or people i shouldn't say but beings at least from other planets visiting this planet for a long time and the reason I think that's a possibility is because they seem to defy gravity. They've run faster than anything uh, we can imagine. They, they move quicker. They, they jump higher. When people who do see them see them, they can't believe how they move. It right. just doesn't seem to fit with the patterns that we are forced to fit in with our development as human beings. <laughs> And or even a gorilla, you know, they do things that we think are are amazing, but we don't think they're weird. That they're anti-reality. Right. When right. when people see the Bigfoot for any length of time and they see that it move, it looks like it's not real. Yeah. Like, and there's a n numerous stories I've heard like that. So it makes me think maybe they're not from here, but they are still physical. Okay. They are still a real creature and um so I, I wonder that if they're from another planet um i'm not sure what they mean when they say quantum because right. 
quantum just means that you're uh, able to move in more dimension than one and that you're, you know, light, you have, there's a lot that goes into understanding the measurement principle and how uh, measuring reality makes reality uh, form into a certain patterns. And um, there could be some quantum abilities that's, that something has that we don't, just because we don't have it doesn't mean that it's not possible. That's true. Which might also be part of coming from a different planet. So that's what I tend to think that they're not from here, but they've adapted to here. And and that's the why they can hide so easily from people. And and you it know, doesn't benefit them, I think, to not hide. You know, that that makes sense. You know, you could be right. No like you said, nobody knows. But who knows? Yeah. That's just the I'm just guessing. Yeah. Based who knows? On, I've thought a lot about this and I've heard of thousands of stories. So I uh but I don't know. It's and, it's just a lot of fun to to speculate, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd like to see one too, but I'm not sure. I, I kind of would, but I wouldn't, if that makes sense. Right. Because you wouldn't have too much, your likelihood of you having too much control over the situation when you're seeing one is not great. Yeah, I think and it would be very humbling for any. It would be very humbling and yeah. possibly very dangerous. Some people would say definitely very dangerous, but... I think it depends on a lot of different circumstances, but yes, I would be, I would half of me kind of wants to see one and the other half doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, uh, I've, I've heard some uh, like roadside sightings, you know, like yeah. you're, you're driving down the road and you spot one, you know, going over the guardrail or something. That would be good enough for me. You know, yeah, that would be cool. I think I would love that. Yeah, that would be. No one good... would believe me. I'd be frustrated by that. But oh, yeah, especially now that you wrote a book. <laughs> they don't. They don't believe me anyway. So, <laughs> same here, man. You know, I, I I started this show because I'm into all this stuff. You know, and I wanted uh -huh. to talk about it. But that would, you know, having a show like this ends any credibility of a personal story if it happens down the road. You know what I mean? They're like, oh yeah, yeah. this this is for publicity. Yeah. There's always some some reason for someone to discount you, though. Oh yeah, you know, I just I've got to the point where if if I'm curious whether someone might have an interest in this, I'll ask him a question like, "What's the strangest?" Kind of what I asked my brother. I just ask him, "What's the strangest thing?" And if they say, "Well, nothing really," then I drop it because yep. I don't want to throw pearls before swine. If that makes sense, and makes perfect sense. People just they discount it automatically. Yeah. And and everything you do from that point looks to them like you're struggling to prove something that you can't prove. Right. Why waste your second of your time on that? When when I know what what I think based on a lot of study and a right. lot of looking into it and I don't care what anybody thinks if <laughs> if they if they agree with that or not. I honestly don't care anymore. And so yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, man. You know, I've I've heard too many things. I've I've experienced enough stuff that I'm I'm not concerned about trying to convince somebody else of something. You know, nope. you're right. No, I'm not. So, but um, 
then the uh, the other thing was the the demon stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I I had one experience that was pretty uh, eye opening, and then I've had other experiences where I thought they weren't real. So I've seen where where someone pretended they were possessed, you know. Oh wow. And I watched them for a while, and I saw everyone trying to cast out the demon, and I looked, and and I thought this isn't real because the person is just wanting attention. Wow. And kept saying thing about famous people who were famous ministers and stuff, and nothing really happened. It went on for about an hour, and everybody trying another way to cast out a demon, and, and nothing really worked, and. I finally felt that it wasn't real, that the girl was just trying to get attention. Yeah. And so I just, I just went on. I think when we left, it was a church or something. We left, but I think sometimes that often happens. People are just attention starved and they need to make something up to, but the other one surprised me a lot more because I wasn't expecting it and it came out of nowhere. And it was my brother um, oh, wow. who, who was a diabetic and he's died about 15 years ago from sorry to hear partially that. from that from the diabetes and partially from not taking care of himself but uh he occasionally went low blood sugar i don't know do you know much about blood I sugar do. and yeah okay he he would low blood sugar is like it's like sometimes looks like you're drunk right. or you're asleep or you're just passing out or something like that some people uh mistake it for being drunk people being drunk and i knew he was low and i was trying to get him to eat sugar because i would give them some a snickers little snickers bar or some some orange juice or something like that to get him to come back out of it but he was acting stranger than usual and he would everyone's he would have his head down and he'd be looking at the ground and then he would look up at me, and it was just an evil look in his eyes. Oh, wow. And I was pretty new Christian at the time, uh, and I was in a charismatic fellowship, so it was um, kind of Holy Spirit friendly. Yeah, and I, um, he looked at me once and then looked back down, and then he looked at me again, and it said, I just felt that this was not right. There's something more to this. And his girlfriend was right in the other room. And I'm going, I don't want to say this when his girlfriend's in the other room. And there's this, but finally it was almost like it forced me. And I just said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And he looked at me and said, he doesn't belong to you. Wow. Okay. Yep. And he looked right at me. <laughs> and, and all I knew was to keep saying that. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And I know that it wasn't my power. It was God's power. Right. And I think I said that two or three times. And finally, he slumped down like this, like he relaxed. He was still standing up, but it just like to his side and his head. Right. And then he looked up at me and said, what's going on? Oh, wow. And it freaked me out. Yeah. Freaked me out. And... I uh, never had anything like that happen then, before that, or since. Man. And that seemed to me to be the most real ever. But it never happened again with him. Right. And I did tell him that it happened and explained to him that something needs to be 
you know, he's doing something that's that's attracting this to him yeah. in some way. And I don't think he listened to me very much. And yeah. but I don't know. It's in God's hands. So um but it was very eye opening. And I know that demons are real and I know that evil is real. You know, I Amen. I've come to different ways of looking at them because of spiritual experiences I've had. I don't um I don't look at them as this thing to be scared of. Okay. Exactly. And I don't go looking for them either. Right. I think that's stupid. Yeah. Uh, but I don't deny the existence of evil. But I think it's off just basically it's an absence of good. Yeah. The, the only good the only good theory for evil is done by Augustine and it's basically it's the absence of good. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise God made evil and God didn't make evil. Right. But evil is what you get when you you're on your own and you don't want to hear, you know, about God and your connection and, and his importance in making all of us um real and and divine and having a connection to him. That's where it's all at. And if we deny that connection and go off on our own to pursue our our own things and try to get satisfaction through our manipulation and control of the things in this world around us, we're going to be empty. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and, and evil is emptiness. It's ultimate emptiness. And I think that if we, if we just acknowledge that we are created in his image and that we are only meant to be con connected to him, <laughs> that if we're not connected to him, we can't be happy. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. We won't be happy. We're right. just, we're going to be all doing our own thing. No, I've got this. I'm don't, don't bother me with this. I've got this figured out. Well, you, you don't have it figured out. <laughs> right. That's yeah. what, you know, that's why I think you see so many, celebrities and stuff that seem like they they should have it all you know the, I, the world is their oyster and they're clinically depressed you know because they're out here searching and they're looking and they're empty inside because they don't yeah. have that they don't have that love of christ man i think i think you're absolutely right on that and you know the reality of spiritual warfare what you were doing as a you know a young christian i think that, that's a it's a very scary way to to be introduced <laughs> to spiritual warfare, you know, it's, it's especially with a brother. Yeah, it was definitely wild. Yeah, man. So, because you know, his girlfriend didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. He was out of there. <laughs> I would. I would imagine not. You yeah. know, because there, there's a lot of times where we want to pray for family members and stuff, but like that demon basically told you when he said he's not yours you know if if that person is welcoming them in yeah you can you can make them leave but they they can come back what you got to also know is they lie all the time of course that's they they, if they say something it's a lie right yep they so have three have weapons to. you know they uh, in, in my experience so far i mean i can might you know, in another 10 years, I might find out that they have a whole arsenal of weapons. But from where I see it right now, they have knowledge. You know, they're they're ancient. They're old. They know tricks. They have 
deception. You know that everything they do is a lie, and they have fear. They they yeah. know how to f- make you afraid. They don't and, even really they they know a little bit, but they don't know that much. Yeah. Um. They if they knew that much, why when Jesus when they saw Jesus, they would run to him and say, "Don't cast us out right now." <laughs> if they were that smart, they would have gone the other way, right? <laughs> you would think. I I, I think yeah. they knew that they couldn't. The jigs I think they're up, just you know. so irrational. They're, they're constantly irrational because reason comes from God. Amen. So if you're different from God, you have to be irrational. There you go. And I think they're very irrational. And so they might be being deceptive because they don't know rationality. They they don't know what's real. They, they So anyway, that's probably going too deep. <laughs> no, it's not. Actually, I've... I'm writing that down because I, I hadn't considered that before. And that's really good. That's good meat to chew on. <laughs> you know, that the irrationality of demonic forces. Uh, you see that a lot. You see that if a you're lot. you're separate from God, if you're separate from God, you're separate from reason and peace. Yeah. And um, hope, love, uh, goodness. I mean... You must be miserable. They must be just completely miserable. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all the time. Yeah. So anyway, but and that's true. That's true. So uh, let me ask you this too. Uh, we we talked about what you think the origin of of a Sasquatch or Bigfoot would be. Um, obviously you're a Christian. So let me ask you, the origin of demons is a hot topic in the Christian community. Um, there's a little dispute ab- among some. Some say that, you know, the Bible's not clear about what demons are, so they're not they're not sure. They just know they're unclean spirits. Um, other people look into the, you know, the extra canonical texts, you know, like the Book of Enoch, where it explains explicitly what demons are and their origin. Um, where do you land on that, Tim? Like, what do you mean? What does it? What's Enoch say? Because I'm not an expert on that. Well, it's a uh, it's First Enoch ten. It it says that these demonic spirits are the disembodied spirit of the Nephilim. Um, when when the flood came and it killed them out, and when um when Moses and the Israelites are going through there and they're they're wiping out these giant clans, these giant nations. Um, that these once their body is dead, you know, the spirit cannot ascend to the heavenly realm because they're not of God. But they could not go, I guess, to Sheol because they they weren't um they weren't human spirits. They couldn't go in a place to rest. So they were made to wander around the earth until the final judgment. Um, and so all they want is to possess a body, you know, to cause destruction, to finish out the original, the, the watcher's game of, you know, sullying, uh, like dirtying up the bloodlines. Um, so they, they're out here doing that work, trying to continue what, the, you know, the whole Nephilim agenda was. And uh, and that, that pretty much brings us, you know, there's a lot of different people that, that have that that mindset, the uh, supernatural worldview. Um, but yeah, that 
that demons are the disembodied spirits of these Nephilim beings. Well, here's here's what I kind of think on that. Again, it's Earth-centric. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's Earth-centric. And I think that angels and demons are uh, angelic creations of God, and they're not Earth-centric. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, the demons, I think, are just angels that fell because they turned they just said forget it we got this and moved on without and so they are empty void of god mm. and so um they're i would just say they're the angels without god right okay so that's kind of how i probably would look at them and um I mean, the Nephilim thing is interesting to me. A lot of people think that Bigfoot is a Nephilim, and I'm not sure that's the case either. Right. Uh, I honestly, though, just don't know enough that I could ex explain it or yeah. know, have a really strong theory. Yeah. But um, that's how I would tend to look at it, probably. That, that's a very good way to look at it, too. You know, um, that, that the fallen angels, you know, that... It was a a third, right? Is that is that a, a accurate thing? Well, that's say? what they say. A third. I don't. I don't. I don't know. A, a lot of. That. I think that. I'm, I think that. Some of the Bible was meant to be metaphorical, and we weren't meant to to attach a bunch of numbers that were absolute. If that makes sense. It does. It's like, Sorry, the pl the planet is not six thousand years old. Okay, you can do as many <laughs> gymnastics as you want to do. It's not. Okay, it's probably three point five billion years old, and then the universe that it's in is fourteen billion years old. Okay, so I hope I'm not offending you. <laughs> oh no, not at all, okay. not at all. But I, and I'm not, and that just makes God bigger in my eyes, not smaller. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can, if you can marry, um, you know, creation. And the old world concept, that's fine with me, man. I, I don't, if you need, yeah, if that works for you, that's fine. But for me, it doesn't work. Yeah. So, um, and we need to put things in the perspective of a much bigger picture, I think. And that's part of our problem today. Part of the, if there is a cover up, and I talk about that a little bit at the end of the book, if there is a cover up, they're either covering it from us because it's very dangerous and we they're scared we can't handle it. Or they're covering it up from us because they're they're deceiving us. They want power and control over us in some way. And so I don't know <laughs> what the answer is on that. Uh, but I don't think we're getting the whole picture. I think we're having things hidden from us. Oh, and I think the Bigfoot issue is a is a microcosm of a much bigger mystery. And the bigger mystery is something to do with our place in this universe yeah. and the, the immensity of, of size and the immensity of the amount of, of the vibrant diversity of creation that exists way beyond us that might be visiting us. Okay. And so 
I just think there's a lot more to it. And I'm hoping that before I depart from this planet that I get a little bit more of a, a sight into it. Amen. <laughs> See. Yeah. Yes. But that's what I think. Yeah. I, I would love to get answers too before I go. I know I know once we depart here and we get there, everything's gonna be, I guess, common knowledge. Uh but man, wouldn't it be nice to just have a little bit of a heads up about <laughs> about the mysteries that you said like you're right. I think that there are supposed to be mysteries. There's things you're supposed to ponder. Do, do you ever read near death experiences? I, I do. They're fascinating. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are kind of components that are shared. And then there's a lot of things that seem to contradict. So I don't always know what to think about it. Yeah. But the, their lives change. The people's lives change and they they're they become less materialistic and less um, worried about this world and more trusting that there is a God and that that they're part of his creation. It's amazing. And I love some of to listen to them. Um, they, they, I get a lot of in, insight from those. So that's caused me to think differently about a lot of things, a lot of spiritual things. Right. Yeah. So, you kind of have to, I mean, either everybody that goes through this is a liar or there's something else to it. There's some to it. And exactly. I don't know what it is. I, I know it's beyond the brain. I don't believe our brain creates our consciousness. I think our consciousness uh, to some degree creates the brain. We use the brain. The brain is like a pair of glasses or a, or a car. We get in it and it helps us see a three-dimensional reality. Yep. It translates three-dimensional reality to us um, because we're not, as souls, we, we transcend that. Right. But we get trapped in it, and then we think this is all there is. I think that's a lot of what Jesus came for, to say, no, 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 this is not all there is. Right. There's a lot more than this. You were created to know this, to walk in this, and 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 not, you know, pick on the ground like a chicken. Right. And and just be look look for your satisfaction in the things that, in this world. Right. You're you're made to be a divine being. You're made to be. You were created in the image of divinity. Amen. You're held together by divinity, and we need. To, we should be living magical lives. We really should. It should be we a pretty enchanting be. life. I mean, every day is a miracle. Every day things can happen that you just go, "Wow, I can't believe that happened." Right. You know, and so there's a lot of opportunity to really experience life, and we can only do it. I mean, the with this, with self awareness, the animals don't really have the self awareness, um, but we can have self awareness, and then we restrict it to this little self in this little body on this little planet, this little solar system. Get as much as we can as until we die. That's. That's such a limited way of seeing ourselves. I and I think he came here to say, look, wake up. Well, how many examples did he give us of faith over physics? You know, if there's no other way to say it, you know, walking on water, uh, the withering of the fig tree, saying you can move mountains. And I don't think that was a metaphor. I think he meant I, it. I don't I don't either. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think there was he was probably talking about more than one kind of mountain. But yeah. the fact is, is 
we're not limited the way we think we're limited. We can, we can do things. Now, I'm not saying I do it all the time or maybe I've ever done it. I might never do it, but I think that there's a possibility that we could do it. I think we might be able to walk through a wall. You know, I know people yeah. think I'm crazy, but maybe we just don't understand the physics. Maybe we don't understand what our brain is capable of or our consciousness is capable of. Well, and we don't learn example. how to apply it. A perfect example of something miraculous that you were capable of. You you told it in a 60-second story. But Tim, you you were the living vessel for the Lord to work through you to cast out a fallen angel or Nephilim spirit, however you want to view it, Whatever, you know, to what? cast out a demon from another living person's body. That is a miracle. You know, there's, not, there's nothing short of that, uh, of miraculous. I do things at work. I'm a teacher right. and an administrator in the process where I make a difference in people's lives. And I feel at the time that something's working through me. Amen. That I'm just not doing that. And right. I feel when I was writing the book, there were multiple, there's sometimes when you just push through and you don't feel anything, but there are times when you feel like something's writing it for you. Like, or through you, if that makes sense. It does. And that is a privilege of humanity that we can experience that what I think is divinity working through us. And we should be so thankful for that. Amen. <laughs> we shouldn't want to avoid that. I know a lot of people just don't want to, please, I don't have time. Right. Okay, I've got important things to do. You do? Can you please explain why that's important, more important than this? Um <laughs> it's not it's the most important thing that we get to be human beings created in the image of god and live that out in three-dimensional reality amen that's just amazing it is that's, so, the, that's the best trip you could take man that's that's a wonderful thing and i often think i wonder if you could meditate you know like go out in the woods and meditate a little bit and just uh, just try to connect with nature, connect with energy, the energy that is nature, and maybe communicate to these animals that might, that they, there is some evidence that they communicate psychically. That's what they, they say. They communicate through intuition. Right. What are if we could talk to them that way, that they, they would understand? Right. I've wondered about that. I have, I have a person I know who's a connection in a, place in texas where it's very active and slightly scary and he said he would take me out there if i would be willing to go out for a week and experience the the scary stuff and i said i would um i'm not sure i'm not sure i'm not going to chicken out but right now <laughs> i'm said i would and but i wondered if maybe taking a little time to meditate and think about stuff like that in advance that maybe you could make a connection so that's a, that's a very yeah. good possibility. Who just knows? Be, I don't count careful. stuff out anymore. I <laughs> depend a lot on intuition now. Yep. And Absolutely. and maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Yep. It would be. Yeah. I probably am going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you say, you, you're familiar with the uh, the charismatic church, so please uh, use discernment. You know, the, the discernment of these spirits. If you feel like. You're in a situation like that, and something is trying to communicate with you. 
just be careful, you know, keep your, yeah. keep your uh, armor of God on. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be stupid, but <laughs> I, you know, you I can believe tell, that. you can tell the difference though. Have you ever watched the um, survivor man? Oh yeah. Yeah. Lester. You ever hear that story he told when he was out there and Absolutely. he was in the dark, he was in there and they said to him, if you really want to know us, stay here tonight. Yep. And he just wasn't ready. Yep. And they said, okay, you don't have to. And I'm thinking, that's pretty profound. That is. And for him to say something like that, because he's, you know, he's a pretty down-to-earth guy, I think. Yeah. And for him to make that claim, maybe they want to, maybe they don't all want to eat you. I think some of them want to eat you. Okay. <laughs> I think there are those that want to eat you. And so you're right. You got to be careful. But um, I think sometimes they're trying to communicate and we misinterpret their efforts, just like we do, you know, we've done with other animals. Yep. And so I don't know, though, how, don't know that much about it. I've just, they're just guesses I have. Well, your guesses are as good as anyone else's, Tim. And man, I again, well, let let me just have you tell everybody where they can get your book. Um, if well, there's I'll, any kind of uh, website you want to lead them to or anything like that, if you have anything else coming up, just uh, if you take if you like to just take a minute now to to share that before we wrap up. Well, just look for tomato fields on uh, on uh, Amazon, and then you can put my name in there, Tim Moon. If that helps, it'll come right up. You'll see the face of the monster um, hidden by uh, trees and stuff. It's kind of a great picture. Good story behind that, too. But um, the book is, again, a, about a small-town sheriff who, along with a few other people, have an experience with this creature that they never believed existed and can't understand for most of the book. And eventually there's a climax that... They are able to get rid of the animal, but it leaves more mystery than it solves. And the, and in the process, they're all forced to come to grips with some realities that they didn't even ever dream that they'd have to deal with. And there's some tragedy and loss and some blood and gore and some, some mystery in the process. And it's kind of fun, good, good dialogue, good stories. So... I think people will like it. It's not perfect, but I think it's a good story and it has a uh, has an interesting ending and set, sets it up for another one in awesome. a bit here. Uh, do you, do you so, have anything else in the works? Well, I'm getting I'm starting um, a nonfiction book, but nothing actually actually working yet. And then I'm thinking through what I want the next one to look like the the sequel to this. So probably a, a year or so before i'll have that done wonderful wonderful well tim thank you so much for coming on the show man um i will definitely definitely get the copy of uh the tomato fields and i'll i'll shoot you a, an email as soon i'd as love to it. hear your thought if you'd leave me a review or anybody who leaves me a review that sure means a lot to me and you can leave a rating and a review or just a rating but those are the the bread and butter for, for authors. Okay. Yes. So it would mean a lot to me. 
Amen. Anybody would like to do that. And I'll give you, make sure you have any information you want to put in the show notes. I'll drop you a message to, with all those details. Yes. Anything you want me to add in the show notes, send it to me and I'll do that. If not, I will, I'll still put a link of, uh, of to your book in Amazon in the show notes okay. as well. Okay. That sounds great. All right. Well, Tim, thank you again for coming on the show, man. Hey, it was Good great night. to talk to you. Thanks. Okay, I will. You too. All right. God bless. God bless. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story to be on the show, if you want to listen to past episodes, or if you want to donate to the show, you can do all of that through thebumppodcast.com. So just go there. Uh, explore the website, check it all out. If you want to sign up to be a member, it's super cheap. It's just $1.75 a week. You can cancel it any time. Get in on uh, all the, the new, latest, and greatest stuff we have going on. All right, so again, thanks for listening. I love you. God bless.
the saints of gold. With their troubles far behind them, to never suffer anymore. I'm going home in the personally ready to submit your life to God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says it really simply that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. It's that simple. To be born again to start a new life as a child of God to join God's army to rise up against the evil forces that you know are all around you. You don't have to do it alone. I love you. Jesus loves you. And may God bless you.
just to say Brother, if you would I need you to pray So while we to the altar I fell down on my knees And I prayed Ask the Lord if he would heal him. And now he's living better days. So if you're here, feel lonely. And your burdens you no longer can bear. Just come on up to this altar and take it to the Lord in prayer. Come on. Fall down on your knees and pray. Ask the Lord to forgive you, and you'll be living better days. So come on. Better days, better days.